the get up, get out, and do something virtual voter rally was designed to encourage people to vote in the 2020 general election. We have seen the statistics of voter turnout from past elections, and we also have heard about the unjust obstacles being created to discourage and prevent underrepresented communities and populations from voting. Even with the aforementioned, we know and still believe in the power of the vote. And that's why it is imperative that we unite and encourage everyone to march to the polls. It is no longer just our right, it is now our obligation. Join us as we are joined by our guests to get up, get out, and do something during this virtual voter rally, which originally aired on October 24th, 2020. From your individual perspectives within this field, within the, the, the territory that you are in, what is the overall climate of the communities and the cultures that you are serving? That's a loaded question for me. Uh, so uh, again, I'm in the Washington metropolitan area and Washington DC metropolitan area. Um, and I work in what's considered a community hospital. So we have not only a diverse population of patients that we serve, but we also have a diverse population of uh, team members or employees. Um, and it has been uh, an interesting, an interesting, interesting, excuse me, ride uh, through, uh, you know, being here prior to COVID-19 uh, coming on. And now that it's, you know, we've gotten past for, at least for the hospital I support, uh, the, the hump, you know, the, um, the height for us here. And so uh, it's been very challenging. Um, you know, we have seen, um, all a range of, of um, responses from our team members in terms of, you know, them having to balance, you know, work and, and life and, um, you know, them going through their own personal, uh, you know, issues with childcare, uh, with pregnancy um, and, and just, you know, their underlying health conditions and things like that. So from an HR standpoint, I've had to, uh, you know, I've had to address in real time. And in some of these cases, we did not have policies in place that could really address the, the needs of our employees at this time, nor, you know, did, you know, our employees or leaders at some point, we weren't uh, exactly sure how to, how to navigate because everything was changing, you know, from the CDC guidelines, uh, from what was actually coming in the door and, and trying to keep up with, with all of it. So um, it's, again, it's been a challenging, you know, journey. Uh, it's still a journey and that's in progress, but we are, uh, we're better for it and we're, we're still, you know, processing through it. So. So um, for my climate, so again, I'm in the pediatric emergency room. Um, as far as COVID specifically in our ER, we have had relatively low numbers. It's been more, I mean, we've had some diagnoses, um, but as we know from some of the literature and things, children overall are, are um, not some, have not been as symptomatic as adults. So that has been different, but it still has affected, you know, our numbers. Our census has been down significantly. We've seen a little bit of increase in our volumes in the emergency department, but still not back to baseline where we typically are. Um, and then around me, so well, as a trainee, I feel like, again, yes, constantly evolving new policies, emails constantly changing guidelines and just having to really be flexible to that. 
Um, and then I feel like as far as like our division has been very supportive of us checking in on us as trainees, because it's a tough spot, you know, to be in um, dealing with these changes. And then just the climate overall in the ED and in Louisville and like within the medical institution, again, very, very stressed. It's been a constantly evolving and not only concerns about health, but just seeing some of the nurses and staff around me and physicians, you know, day childcare, school, especially in the beginning, we didn't know how long schools were going to be closed, you know, childcare centers and having to really scramble to make all that fit because you still have to work. And um, still that's still an issue as far as schools because Jefferson County is still virtual, all virtual. Um, and then just, you know, seeing just stress overall, you could really feel the stress initially. I think now that we've been going at this for about eight months, you know, there's still that level of stress there, but, you know, you have more of a plan now as far as outside of work, daycare and things like that. Um, so it's just been different. It really has been some, a big adjustment for everybody at every level. And, and this was a this was a marathon that nobody anticipating anticipated mm -hmm. having to run in the first place. I didn't uh, want to. <laughs> yeah, and and, you, and when you and when you think about America, uh, we we see ourselves as being the leaders of the leaders of the free world in terms of economic development, uh, technology, te te technological advances, uh, mm -hmm. our, the strength of our military. You would assume that we would have that same kind of uh, thought, leadership, and passion and energy for our country's healthcare si system. And um, since COVID has wreaked havoc across the country, um, we aren't looking too good in the eyes of, of, of our global competitors as it relates to our response to COVID. Were there any particular countries that um, your hospital systems, your healthcare systems in your regions were looking at and trying to identify uh, certain best practices that maybe uh, we were not on the forefront or we were so far behind here in the States? Was there, was there a particular country that you, you, you said, you know what, I would much rather be there right now than here? Oh, wow. Um, not that I'm aware of, quite honestly. Uh, we have just, we, we have a thoughtful leader for our healthcare system. Uh, he came from another prominent healthcare system um, in, in another state, another region, but um, he is definitely one to really think about the people, uh, meaning the employees. Uh, he's definitely employee centric, uh, but he also recognizes that, you know, we have to be mindful of uh, our resources, what we have available and, and making sure that we're using our resources responsibly. Uh, so one of the big things was, and, and you've heard this across the country about PPE, which is personal protective equipment and the, the dire need for it, um, especially when we're talking about respirators and um, just masks, you know, the N95 and whether we should use it and all these kind of things. And now I think we've evolved to, to the goggle wearing or face, complete face shield. So there was uh, a lot of tension and, and people up in arms about when to use which type of PPE. Uh, and so I think that, I, I wish that could have been the, I wish we had have known sooner what was the appropriate PPE to use. That way we could really educate our, our employees on this is what's needed. But we literally were depending on our 
you know, government, uh, our resources here in the states, again, CDC, um, to determine what that what that looks like, um, and also benchmarking against other uh, airborne, you know, um, transmittable diseases um, like flu or like tuberculosis or something like that. Um, so. I don't think we leaned on any other country but our own, to my knowledge, to answer your original question. So here, I, I don't know of any country that we leaned on specifically. I know, you know, within my department, we would sometimes discuss, well, this is what so-and-so has done and kind of, you know, just in, in the literature or in the news. But we didn't, to my knowledge, lean on a specific country. But we did have some of the same kind of evolving situation with, with the PPE when do you wear this? When do you wear that? Trying to follow, you know, obviously following the CDC guidelines to the letter, but keeping up when they changed. Because in the beginning, I mean, it was just constantly evolving. When do you wear the N95? How often do you sterilize the N95? Are we going to throw the N95 away after every shift? I mean, it was just every day. I feel like there for a while, the email changed. We're going to wear a gown in every room. We're going to wear a gown in this room. So just really following those guidelines. Um, I don't think there was a specific country that we followed. Um. So would you say that, no, let me, let me scratch that. Three, two, one. What should be, from your individual perspectives, mm -hmm. the priority of people in terms of healthcare for election day? Interesting question. Great, you, always, you guys always have great questions. For me, I think it is recognizing that our current leadership, uh, as a as a whole, at, at the top, um, because I think they're pandering to the president. Um, so I think they should really lean on the fact that he does not have our best interest at this time. You know, he has his own personal interest. Um, I, he has contracted this disease and he still refused to follow guidelines when out in public. So uh, I think they should, people should really consider, especially too, I'll say we're, we're going into open enrollment for a lot of uh, employers as well, where you're choosing what type of benefit plans you want to, you know, elect for 2021. And so we know that the cost is certainly going to go up for a lot of uh, employees. Um, so you really have to pay attention to what's best for you and your family. Do not listen to the man in the chair at 1600 Pennsylvania. It's, it's, not, it's not worth your life. Um, he might not care about it, but you should care about your own life and you really want to make the best decision that's going to save you and save your family members ultimately. I think I can echo a lot of that. I mean, just making the best decision, you know, for you. I think, um, again, when all this comes up, people want to depend on all these other sources for their information. You know, the CDC is the CDC. Like, that is tried and true, that is science. As much as people don't wanna hear people talk about science, it is science. There are people that this is their life to put out this data and look at these things to protect us. It's not a joke. You know, who's gonna have your best interests at heart? Our health is number one. If you don't have health, I mean, what do you have? And 
what candidate is going to do that for you, is going to have that best interest at heart for you. And um, that, I just think that's just the most important. Um, and again, like I said, especially in our black community, a lot of the diabetes, high blood pressure, those other pre-existing conditions that we have, you have to keep that in mind, you know, healthcare costs go up for that. And who is going to better protect you if you have these pre-existing conditions to keep you healthy? Um, just, you know, really looking at the evidence-based science of what is best for you and making that decision based on that. And, and, and considering the science, what to, to, to the folks that are trying to decipher through all of this white noise that's going on right now, what, where did America fail in regards to our response to COVID to best protect the masses? You know, was it was it the was it access to PPE? Was it the fact that we had uh, you know our borders open? Was it the fact that um, you know nobody nobody in decision making or author authoritative positions took the the disease seriously? You know, it, it, to me, it, it seems like it was all of the above. But it, was there one specific piece that, from your lens within the healthcare industry, you like, man, we 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 dropped the ball on this. I mean, I think it was multifactorial, you know, PPE, a lot of these hospitals we heard about on the news didn't have enough. And, you know, you saw the pictures out there of just not the proper N95, the respirators, the proper PPE to protect themselves. Um, you know, people just not really understanding the disease and knowing that it's not a joke, like wear your mask when you go out, you know, take care of yourself. Again, a lot of people, and it's not just the black community, but we know a lot of these diseases are there uh, significantly higher in comparison to other communities, um, we are more at risk for COVID. Uh, we are more at risk of dying from COVID. And so I think it was just a lot of unfortunate circumstances that aligned that just, you know, we didn't get on the ball fast enough with things. Um, I think now the issues I've seen are people still, you know, we've been at this for a while. It is tiring. I know people want to travel. You want to live your life. You want to go out. You don't want the mask, but now I've seen people slipping back and not wearing it. Um, I was in West Virginia last weekend and just furious. Sorry, West Virginia, but, and some people here do it in Kentucky as well. Like wear the mask, like just, it's not just for you. You have to think about not just for you. It's for other people, you know, don't be selfish. You know, it, you, you wear it for yourself and you do these things for yourself, but you do it for your family. You do it for your friends. You do it for people you don't know because this is not, this is not fake. I would say, I think uh, from a healthcare perspective, I think we took it seriously, but uh, there were multiple factors uh, like you all were saying. Um, I think to me, the biggest thing, both inside and outside of the healthcare system, we didn't know who it, who it would touch and how it would affect them. That is the biggest, Thing I see about this, this disease is that you can be asymptomatic. Uh, I know a, a person, we decided to do testing for folks to find out, you know, if they, if they indeed had, had contracted the virus and just were asymptomatic. 
So, and we did come across some of those individuals and they were fine. They didn't have a fever, nothing. Um, and they were, they were health, young, healthy people, but they still were tested positive um, multiple times, you know, to, to make sure that that test was correct. Uh, but it's, it's just one of those diseases that doesn't care about, you know, race, religion, age. It, it, it doesn't discriminate, as we would say. And I think that's where we made, uh, I think we, everybody, um, both inside and outside of the healthcare system, they didn't, they didn't react to that. You know, they didn't take it seriously initially. Um, and some people, as we can see, still don't take it serious. That's why they don't wear the mask. That's why they go to these big uh, social events, whether inside or outside, because they think that they're- You mean campaign, campaign rallies? You yeah, campaign they, think, rallies? they think they're untouchable and mm -hmm. this disease does not care. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it will find you and it will, you know, it'll get you if you let it. So you have to be smart and, and protect yourself. What are some things that you would suggest as a physician that a voter considers as they are making their choice on which candidate to support before they mm -hmm. make it to the polls on election day or if they're voting early or if they're mailing mm -hmm. it in? I would say, you know, in general, you know, everybody has certain preferences. Overall, um, pray about it. You know, who's going to carry your country forward? And this is not just for the president, but even, you know, for your governor, for your, your local officials. Um, they also have a hand in the bigger picture as far as healthcare things that happen. So I would say, you know, pray about it. I would say, um, you know, there's a lot of commercials out there. Obviously, those have a lot of falsehoods in them you know, look up the candidates and read, you know, their platforms and, you know, read the things they say about healthcare and see if that aligns with the things that you need. Um, I think us as a community, especially in the Black community, um, this is very important to us. We know we are afflicted more with diseases like diabetes, diseases like high blood pressure, um, which is also more of a concern for COVID because we know that some of those pre-existing conditions um, can make your outcomes a little more can make your outcomes more serious but then also you know our health care your insurance you know those things matter are they going to give you these candidates are they going to provide that doorway to the access to health care that you need as far as your prescriptions and your medical care and those things are just so important um, to all of us to take care of yourself so um, i would say you know read their platforms um if they have debates not just the presidential but you know governor and um, Congress and, and Senate, if there are, you know, discussions that they have, definitely tune into those and just be educated. Like, just don't use the things posted on Facebook and Instagram as your primary source. Like, that is not enough. And, and Doc, what, what are you doing to uh, kind of decompress and de-stress during this time, you know, dealing with mm -hmm. uh, clients that, that have fears of the unknown, Mm -hmm. um, you as a physician, I would assume are going through similar feelings because mm -hmm. you're not only are you experiencing it, but you're also on the front lines having to care for those individuals that are really going through traumatic experiences. What, mm -hmm. what are you doing to, to maintain uh, your, your mental stability during these times? So, you know, in the beginning, it was very stressful. I had just returned from West Virginia when everything was coming to light, um, you know, I'd heard about it back early, I think December, when it was in China, came over here. Um, so in the beginning, I was really stressed. Um, 
was having a lot of anxiety getting the emails, you know, of course my mom was very worried. Um, and a lot of friends asking me things, you know, a lot of misconceptions out there. So I had to decompress by stepping back and really not watching a lot of television, not being on social media. It was just because it was everywhere. You know, I turn on my television, it's there. I get on Facebook or Instagram or what have you, and it's there. And then I'm already immersed in it at work and getting emails every day. So um, I think the big things for me overall in 2020, but especially in this pandemic has just been to really focus on my self-care and like my mental wellness. I do have a therapist. I think that is fantastic. I think that is something that is not emphasized enough, especially in the black community. Uh, therapy is okay and it is good Facts. and it is helpful. Facts. <laughs> and if you need that, do that. Don't bring, don't be ashamed. We need it. So I did that. I do that. Um, and just taking time for myself. Um, you know, if I want to go get a pedicure, manicure, doing those things, spending time with my friends, you know, kind of decompressing in that way, because I truly do love my job. I know it's a calling on my life, but we all get tired and you just have to make sure you take care of yourself. You can't pour into and take care of other people if you can't take care of yourself. So that's been some things I've really focused on this year through this pandemic is just making sure I take care of myself, decompress and, um, not burn myself out basically. As we, as we think about early, early voting has already occurred in many states across our areas that we are in, as well as the nation. I know there are some that are still having open enrollment for registration. And so people are still able to vote. What's one thing you would say to someone who has decided that they weren't going to vote? Lord Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, uh, y'all got a doctor praying already. <laughs> <laughs> you want the easy answer? Uh, <laughs> if you don't vote, don't don't speak. Don't have a comment. Don't don't involve yourself in any type of conversation. If you don't vote, you obviously do not want to be heard. So be quiet, zip it. Okay. People literally fought and died. Mm. Fought and died. Again, fought and died yeah. for this right that we have. I don't understand how you wouldn't exercise it. You literally don't have an excuse. Registration was open for a while. And you, like you said, there are still some places where it's open. There was early voting, there was absentee voting. I know every state has a respective, you know, plan. I mean, I went and voted today. I was in and out in 10 minutes. There is just, there's just no excuse. Like, I don't have any other words. Now you, you definitely need to vote if you're on Medicaid. If you're on Medicaid, Medicare, then you need to be at the polls. Absolutely. And a lot of people are having to rely on, you know, the market exchanges. I literally uh, was just speaking with an employee. She asked if she could put her mom on her insurance because I was actually talking about uh, annual enrollment is coming up next month. And I had to tell her, unfortunately, no, you can't add your mother. And, you know, she mentioned that she had a stepfather. And I said, well, does he have a job? Can you add him? 
I mean, can she add him? And, and she's like, uh, you know, he, he's a jerk. He, he won't do it. Um, so if you, if you need to be on, you know, public assistance, as far as, you know, from a medical perspective, yeah, you definitely need to vote because those, those benefits are at stake, you know, in every sense of the word, we talk about, you know, what's happening with the affordable care act, uh, and them talking, you know, there being a case in the Supreme court. So, and they're fighting over that with the new, uh, justice nominee. So you, everything is at stake at this point for this election, everything. So you, you, you have to go out and exercise your right. Closing thoughts on the 2020 general election for the federal, the state, as well as local. Closing thoughts. Vote. <laughs> That's it. Vote. Vote, 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 vote. <laughs> Do it now. Stand in line, get your snacks, get your, your, your folding chairs. We stand in line at the club. We stand in line for Black Friday. We for Jordans. For Jordans, yes. We, we even pay, you know, just to stand in line in some cases. Uh, so, yeah, it, this, this is worth it. If you don't, like I said, you, you don't have, you're essentially saying you, you don't want to speak up. You, you don't want for people to know how you how you feel and where you stand in terms of your future. Yes, get out and vote. You know, this is your voice. Um, if you want change, you have to be a part of the process to change. You can't continue to complain and murmur about things that you don't like or things you wish you were different if you're not making your voice heard through your vote. It is so important. Um, we see the things that happen when you say, well, my voice doesn't matter and I don't want to vote and I'm not registered and so on and so forth. Here we are. So vote. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much, so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Absolutely. So be sure to take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Um, be well. Thank you for, there it is. There. <laughs> <laughs> Man. I'm at work right now. So, <laughs> and I will be here for another three hours. So um Oof. yeah. Oof. They give we we're issued masks, you know, when we come in, they mm -hmm. take temperatures uh every day. So this is our this is our norm. Of course, we've got hand sanitizers, we've got, you know, glove, we have PPE. Um, and so yeah, we're we're taking it seriously here. And I've been here since the beginning. So uh, my world has not changed. A lot of people say they're they're off work or you know work from home. That's I don't have that luxury. So um, making sure to take care of myself indeed. Well, you both are on the front line in one way or another. Um, you know, making sure the employees and and the people, right, the people that run it are doing what or are supported and have what they need even behind the scenes and then in the ER and handling the babies. God bless the babies.